0: Before we get there, we're going to have a look at uh, Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. Hebrews is the case in our house. I make all the cups of tea. (laughs) Thanks, Lynn. Everybody else catch up. Hebrews, no? Nothing? Right, okay, forget it. Wow, tough crowd. Tough crowd. You're going to have to work with me this morning because I can tell that we're all a little bit lethargic. And there we go, enough said. So this time last year, you'll not believe me, but this is the truth, you can go back and have a look. I talked about, in Matthew chapter six, do not worry. And I mentioned the CO2 shortage that we were having. Yeah, now you've all gone, that's impossible that that was last year. That was November the 14th last year. That is insane, isn't it? And I just think, since that point, has there not been so much stability? (laughs) No, there has been literally no stability at all. But as I shared Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34, Jesus encouraged his listeners to not to worry. He said, do not worry. Of which we, in that instance, as we were reading the word together, we were party to. we We've been worrying about all sorts of things. And 12 months have passed. And in that time, right up until this point this morning, there is also seemingly, as we look at the news, a lot to worry about. The CO2 shortage seems like nothing at the side of a 52 billion pound deficit. Nobody else has read the news, just me. Yeah, the threat of nuclear war, that one's always cheery. But the reality is, there seems like there is little hope in the world that we live. And of course, the media peddle the fact that it is completely and utterly hopeless. Now, I have a Bible, anybody else? I have a Bible. The words will be up on screen i have a bible in front of me and i know that the word of god is absolutely completely and utterly opposite to what the world is saying in actual fact it is far from hopeless i am actually filled with a hope as christians indeed are the same we are filled with a hope that is steadfast that is sure amen as children of god as christians We have a hope, not a hopeful thought that it's possible, that it might be okay. That's not hope that I profess. That's not the hope that we have here at Hope Church, not just the name that is indeed Hope Church. But it's not a a hopeful thought uh, that possibly it might be okay, but a steadfast hope that is unwavering in an ever-changing world. Let me say that again, it says a steadfast hope that is unchanging in an ever-changing world. It is unwavering, it is steadfast and it is sure. Let's have a look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 through 20 and the writer says we have this hope, not that possibly maybe, this steadfast hope We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And we learnt last week the first priest mentioned in the Bible was indeed Melchizedek. There we go, brilliant, I'm glad you were all listening. A to the quiz and B to the passage. But we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. It is firm, it is solid, it is immovable, it is steadfast, it is sure. Why? Well, because of Jesus. We enter into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain and you say, Matt, what curtain? Anybody got curtains on the windows at home? Curtains on the front door maybe to keep the draught out. Yeah? But this curtain is talking about the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies in the temple. The place where only the priest went once a year. And he would go in there with bells around the hem of his clothing and a rope tied to his leg. And if the bells stopped ringing, the priest would drop dead. And nobody would go in there to fetch him because they would drop dead as well. Because only the priest could go in there once a year. So they would drag him out. Yet... As Jesus was on the cross, the Bible tells us that the temple curtain and the curtain of the temple, the most holy of holies, was almost a metre thick fabric. And the Bible says it was rent in two. It was torn in two. And Jesus then made a way for you and me, can you believe it, people like us to go into the holy of holies. As long as we go through Jesus. Amen. In fact, it's the only way that if we go through Jesus, we are able to go into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. As Jesus has made a way, it says in verse 20, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf and he has become the high priest forever. Jesus says, the curtain is open and Matthew's with me. Amen. Amen. The curtain is open and Mike is with me. The curtain is open and Pat, she's with me. The curtain is open and Graham, he's with me. Listen, church, that is a privilege beyond anything that this world can offer. This is what Christ has done for us. The curtain has been torn into and I go through Jesus to the most holy place. I go before the creator of heaven and earth and I'm able to pray, I'm able to talk to him, amen? And we're gonna dive into that as we look at Hebrews chapter six, verse 19 through 20 as we've already seen, and we're gonna go back to Matthew, sorry, Matthew chapter seven, verse seven through 12. And this really gives us a glimpse then, not only of where we are able to go but the reality of how we should go there okay we've seen that we can only get to the holy place through Jesus we can only come to the father through him and now then as we have a look at Matthew chapter 7 we get to see this wonder and I've titled the message this morning ask seek knock ask seek knock and you'll see that that's the heading that you get in your NIV bible if you've got an NIV bible in front of you I'm not sure about the King James but the NIV is titled it, Ask, Seek, Knock. So Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Listen, Church, as we're going to unlock this passage here this morning, I don't want us to be naive to the fact that sometimes this can be misconstrued and say, ask God of anything and you will get it. Let me tell you from the front, that's nonsense. And I'm glad it is, because I don't know what I need. I just think I do. Amen? (laughs) I just think I do. I don't want to take the place of God. I don't want to take the place of his will and his promises. So let's not be naive. But let's dissect the word so that we can start to understand what we have in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible tells us that as we accept Christ as our Saviour, we receive the Holy Spirit as a deposit, a guarantee to my inheritance. Okay, And this is the hope that I profess, the hope that's steadfast and sure. Eternal life isn't something that I'm going to get, it's something that I already have. This is going to fade away. You might have noticed. I'm grateful that you weren't too nasty there. But the reality is this is dropping to pieces. But the bit that makes me, me, is being renewed day by day. Amen? The bit that makes me, me, is being uh, renewed day by day. Because the Bible has told me that as I've put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I've received the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that one day I will see my Saviour face to face. I will be in glory. Not only am I here praying to God, but actually one day I'll be in his very physical presence because of Christ. Amen. Not because of anything that I could do, but because of what Jesus has done for me. Now, church, that is the gospel. That is the simplicity of it. That if I say, sorry, Lord, please come into my life. Forgive me for the sin in my life. Make me new. And the Bible says that if I believe in my heart, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, I will be saved. How simple is that? Don't overcomplicate it in your head. It is simple. God says, I love you enough that I'm going to give my very best for you. And you say, God, what's your very best? And his best is Jesus, God in flesh. God says, I'm going to dress in human form and I'm going to come down to earth and I'm going to take all of your sin and all of your shame because I will be perfect, you can't be perfect, and I am going to bear all of your sin and shame on me and I'm going to become the perfect sacrifice for you. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin, the word tells us. And Jesus Christ, on that cross, shed his blood for you and for me. He poured out his blood for us. So that we then, as we've understood, as we've had a look at Hebrews, and now then we're able to come into the Holy of Holies and we're able to talk to our Heavenly Father, we can see then that our hope is a fixed and certain, it is a non-negotiable. Have a look at Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39. And these are incredible verses. Again, they'll be up on the screen. Um, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? See the question mark? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Remember, I have the Holy Spirit as a deposit, a guarantee of my inheritance. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or a 52 billion pound deficit or nuclear war, or a CO2 shortage, or a backlog in the NHS. The list goes on and on and on and on. Who can separate us as it is written? For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are, we are, church, in all things we are more than conquerors. Who? Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the church said, Amen. Listen, church, this is the reality. It's a fixed reality that we have. It's a non-negotiable. I cannot be separated from the love of Christ as I put my faith and my trust in him. Nothing that you could say, nothing that the world could throw at me makes any dent or impact on that fixed reality that one day I will see my saviour face to face. Nothing can change that. So now then, because I have this hope, And because I know who my saviour is, because I've put my faith and my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm able to read Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 12, in such a way that opens my eyes and my heart to know that there is a place where I should go. There is a place that is full of hope. It's not necessarily Sky News, or BBC News for that matter. And these are all good, we like to keep abreast of world affairs, and absolutely so. But we cannot let it try and drain our hope, because my hope is fixed. My hope is steadfast. In fact, it's non-negotiable. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing, nothing. Just in case you didn't get it, nothing. So therefore, I look at this and I go, do you know, there is a place where I can go that is full of hope. There is a place where I can go where I can ask, I can seek, and I can not. And there is a place where, as we're going to see now with the word, there is a place that doesn't just give me things because I want them, but there is a God who loves me enough to give me what I need, amen? There is a God who loves me enough to give me what I need. And the word has already told us as we've read it to ask, seek, and not. And the key here then, as his church, as Christians, as children of God, is to pray, to ask God, to ask of God, to give thanks to God, to seek his will and guidance, and to try the door. To try the door. We're not talking about what we see in Revelation, we're talking about God I pray that you will help me today, Whatever it is that I've got to step through, that you will help me to step through the door. And Lord, if that's not the door that I'm meant to go through, then let's keep it shut. Let's keep it shut. And listen, I've I've said this so many times from the front, that often we say, Lord, I want you to show me your will. But listen, the prayer that should always come behind that is, Lord, and help me to walk in it. Help me to walk in it. Because often, often might just be me. But I think I know the way, and I, I, I push that door, and it doesn't seem to, ha- to open, <laughs> so I get a crowbar. Anybody else? Just me? And I, I give it a, and a shoulder barge and all that. Listen, Lord, help me to have the wisdom. Help me to walk in your will. Give me the maturity, the spiritual maturity to walk in your will, not just to keep trying the door that you've already said no to. Jesus gives a, an analogy then of a child asking a parent, mum or dad or a carer, please can I have as the child saves. Yeah? Please can I have. Or if they're really off the ball, and this happens regularly in our house, I'm ashamed to say, Dad, I want. If it doesn't start with please, we've had it. Yeah? No? Okay. But Jesus gives an analogy of a, a parent. And a parent is guilty of, at times, giving a child something that's not actually that beneficial for them. Dad, please can I have that pack of sweets? Now in our house, Jack's chocolate and Hugo is sweets. And on Friday, Hugo said, Dad, can I have a sweet? And I said, yes, you can have a sweet. Now. You combine buy and they come in a long strip, all different colours, ding, ding, ding. They go uh, pinks, reds, yellows, silver, which is cola. Just me. And then there's another colour in there, but there's a lot of sweets, yeah? And 20 minutes passed and I realised he'd eaten them all. I thought his mother's coming home, I'm in a world of trouble. So I gathered up the evidence and disposed of it accordingly. Unfortunately, Hugo, bless him, as lovely as he is, He's very honest. He was like, mum, I've eaten all those malams. She She's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you see, we can be guilty sometimes as parents of giving our children things that they don't really need. It's not beneficial to them. You know, it might be a, a peaceful life. It might just be the stopping of the crying of the tears. But listen, God isn't like that. God doesn't just give me something because I keep and scream for it. God doesn't do that. Praise the Lord, he doesn't. He only gives us what we need. He doesn't give us all of our wants. If that were the case, we'd all be living somewhere else, wouldn't we? Somewhere warm? Definitely. Amen. You see, we'd all be doing the things that what our mind says are the best things to do. But God is saying, look, I'm not like that. Here's an analogy of a parent. He says, um, if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, um, he says, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And sometimes we perceive a good gift as, you know, at Christmas I get a PlayStation. You're like, wow, that's a good gift. But sometimes a good gift might be a little bit of patience. I know, I've touched a nerve there. It hurt me. Sometimes a good gift might be that person in your life who is willing to just sit and listen to you. The challenge might not be overcome, but somebody's going to sit and listen. Somebody's going to pray with you. Somebody's going to care alongside you. Sometimes we don't perceive what the good gifts are. And we have the privilege, I guess, of times of looking over difficult moments in our lives and seeing how God intervened. Lord, I prayed that you would help me through that. And to be honest, I was just hoping that you'd wipe the slate clean and we'd start again on a Monday morning. But the reality is, now I see it. You put those people in my life. You put that church in my life. You put that Bible verse in my life to enable me to get through those moments. You didn't take the trouble and the strife away from me, but you gave me the grace and the strength to go through it, amen? But we don't always see that when we're in the midst of the hardship and the turmoil. So God knows what good gifts look like. We sometimes, as parents, give gifts that are just for the quiet life. But we're talking about a genuine affection and care that is not just for its own gain as sometimes we as parents do but it's for the for the gain of you and me that God says no this is for your benefit it's for you and we have to appreciate and faith comes into it that says God knows what's best for me and you might sit there and question this morning and go, how does God know what's best for me? And I could reel off a myriad of things as in these, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He created the heavens and the earth. He created the universe that we see before us, the, the sun in its glory, Jupiter with all its randomness, all the planets that we see that are in our solar system. This is how big God is. He's the beginning and the end. And he created the ants and the giraffe and they are worlds apart, yeah? This is the God that we worship. So when I say, I know that God knows what's best for me, it's because he is the author of life. It's because he's the creator of the universe. It's because he's the beginning and the end. And he knows the mathematical equation to make my life work. He knows what the tapestry looks like. We just see the backside of it and it looks a right mess. <laughs> Anybody else? Again, that can't just be me. Come on, you've got to work with me here. And the reality is it doesn't look great all the time. But God sees the front of it. He sees the pattern. He sees the picture. And he knows what stitch is next in order to make it work. Because he has the overall wisdom that allows him to make the perfect, the right decision all the time. And listen, if we put our trust in God and we ask and we seek and we knock and we go to the place where we know our hope is rooted... We gain, I believe, a clearer path, a deeper insight and understanding. Not because we're, you know, those people that are uh, are very learners. You know those? I've got letters after my name. I've actually got letters after my name, but I've I've, I've sidetracked. (laughs) But you see, what we actually do is not because I've studied and I've learned, and that is fantastic, but the reality is that we know because we have a relationship with a loving God. You don't have to work in that sense of knowing and experiencing the love that you have between one another. I didn't have to learn to love love. I just loved her. And the more I've got to know her, the more I love her. And that's the same with us as we know and understand God. God loves you and me. He didn't have to learn to love us. He already loves us. Now we're having to gain an insight as to how much God loves us. And when we start to understand his word, we start to see the love that he has for us and I start to grow in that and I start to know, God, I only love you because you first loved me. The more I look, the more I realise that outside of you there's no possible way that I could ever know what love was. The Bible says this is how we know what love is, that Christ died for us. And if you can get your head around that, come and see me and tell me. And the reality is that we are loved beyond measure and we know then as we're rooted in his word and we start to unlock it, we start to see that God loves us enough to have given his best for us. And now then, as we come back and just draw our attention back to asking and to seeking and to knocking on the door, that we put away our childish thoughts of God giving us what we want. And we understand prayerfully this morning, and we'll go away and we'll digest it, that we go away and we understand That our childish thoughts have been put away and we understand his love, his care and his attention as he attends to our needs. In a world that is so crackers that we're able to come to the word, we're able to come to him in prayer and we're able to know his love and his care and his attention as he attends to everything that we need. We as Christians have a direct line to God. Wherever we are, whoever we are, from wherever we're from, we have this opportunity because we are welcome. Now, I, I don't know whether you remember these as kids. Not these specific tins. Do you remember that? Adam, let's see if it works. You can you grab that Have you ever used one of these Adam? You've got headphones in, aren't you? Listening to me. I am. Here. Does it work? Mm-hmm. And you, it's got to be tight, hasn't it? It's got to be tall. Look at that. Go on, Adam. No, that's it. Go on. Keep going back, Adam. That's it. That's it. Martin. Martin. Okay. Okay. It's all tiny. Listen, these aren't great. But you remember these as kids. In fact, there's actually one at, um, there's a a park at, um, what's it called, Elkersley. The boys love it. Because the speaker's there and it obviously goes underground and comes out at the other side of the park. And of course, as boys are, you know, then Hugo comes crying to me because Jack said something he shouldn't have. (laughs) Listen, it's the reality of children, innit? We can't help ourselves. But you see, we have a direct line to God. There's nothing in the way, there's no interference. It is a direct line to God. Now, when I say there's nothing in the way and there's no interference, do you understand what I mean by that? That there is nothing in the way, there is no interference, apart from what we fill our lives with. Uh, Apart from, well, me. You see, there's nothing in the way, there is no interference. The Bible says that I am able to come before a holy God because of Christ, Because the temple curtain has been torn in two, I can come into the Holy of Holies. So I'm able to go into that place. I'm able to bring my prayers and petitions. I'm able to ask and seek and knock and say, God, I need your help. Lord, thank you for today. I can do any of that. But, and listen, this is why it's so important for us to focus on what the word says. This is why it's so important for us to make sure that we are pursuing that relationship with our loving heavenly father and when we come to god we bring it all before him and we are right to expect an answer 1 peter 3 verse 12 for the eyes of the lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer isn't that wonderful the eyes of the lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer Listen, remembering then who he is, remembering who we are and whose we are, it's not what we want, but it's what he knows we need. I was hoping for an amen is amen. Isn't that the case? It's not It's not us going, Lord, I know what I want, but actually it's that God knows exactly what we need. Now listen to this, Matthew Henry, the commentator, um, it's available for everybody this, but it's a, a lovely... Um, Reality of what this means. Matthew Henry writes, Wh- whatever you pray for, according to the promise, shall be given you, if God see it fit for you. And what would you have more? Let me read it one more time, because it's old English. Whatever you pray for, according to the promise, shall be given you, if God see it fit For you, and what would you have more? Do you hear it? What would you have more? Then, if God says it's fit for me, then it's definitely fit for me. And if it's not fit for me, then God's not going to give it to me. Amen. Because what would I have more? My decision, your idea, the world's idea? No, I'll go with the Creator, please. Yeah, I'll go with the Author of Life, and that is where I will root myself. Let's have a look one last time at Hebrews chapter six, verse 19 through 20. It says, for we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your son the Lord Jesus Christ that he has made a way for us as we put our faith and our trust in you to come into the Holy of Holies that we're able to bring our prayers and our petitions to you we're able to bring our thanksgiving and praise to you Father we thank you that we can do that because you love us you love us enough to have given your best in the Lord Jesus Christ and Father as we've looked at these verses as we've unlocked these passages we just ask Lord that you would help us to operate with wisdom and understanding To know, Lord God, that you have our best interests at heart. To know, Lord God, that what you will, that what you see fit for our lives is the place where we need to be. It's not what I think is good. It's not my desires. But, Father, it's what's in line with your promise and your plan and your will for each one of us. And I pray, Lord, that you would just speak into our lives. That we wouldn't leave this place uh, sort of headstrong saying, I know what I need. But, Father, we would leave this place knowing, heartstrong that you're in control. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll continue to strengthen us and uphold us as your church. We ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.